For Your Reconsideration is proudly part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Ho, 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 and welcome to a lovely festive-themed edition of For Your Reconsideration, a film podcast which is the equivalent of a cinematic secret Santa, as we give the gift of a malign movie tight-neaked with a bow of celluloid and open it up to see if it's actually a gleaming Rolex or just another Lynx Africa gift set. I'm Rob, and here are Simon and James. How are you, fellas? Definitely the best one. Definitely yes. <laughs> Excellent. I'm looking forward to my Lynx Africa uh, deluge coming next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> Sets you up for a whole year, yeah. a whole year of smelling. I used to get that every year from every one of my absolute <laughs> calls was a, was a Lynx Africa box set. It was a great fact. Oh, no. Have we have we dissed your aunts and uncles? Is that, you know? yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's like, you know. Get shower gel on the weekly shop. I don't want it for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, weekly shop? How quick do you go Sorry, through but... it? <laughs> At least get me Java for a change. <laughs> Gorgeous. Uh, well, Merry Christmas, men. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas. Christmas to you. And Merry Christmas, listeners. Uh, I hope you all have a, a lovely festive period planned. Uh, now, what have you guys been watching this week? So because of... Uh... My missus' fear of spoilers and her love of Star Wars, she booked us in on the opening night to go and watch Star Wars. Uh, so yeah, we watched uh, Rise of the Rise of Rise of Skywalker or Rise of the Skywalker. The, the Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. I went to watch that yeah. last night. Uh, the 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 super screen in the O2, which is a humongous screen, um, and it's two D, which is lovely because I hate 3D films. They're rubbish. <laughs> and do do we have a? A verdict. I, I mean, it's not gone down well at all. Like, a lot of people are really kicking off about it. And I, I, I can see why the critics don't like it, because there's a lot of fan service in there and a lot of box ticking, which is sort of detrimental to the overall film in terms of, like, a narrative and how it ties into mm. the trilogy and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. As a film in the cinema, you know, sat there watching it, eating some sweets. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed it. Cool. But... If truth be told, I am glad it's all over with because I'm just <laughs> sick of Star Wars. Uh, it's like since Disney took over, they've just milked it so much, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, yes, I think there's yeah. going to be a little bit of a break now while they decide what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah, give it a rest. And, yeah, and, yeah. You know, the, I think the pattern is like the people who like the Last Jedi don't like this, and the people who don't like the Last Jedi like this one. Yeah, yeah. I like both. I mean, Last Jedi, I think, is a superior film, like in every way. Yeah, it's yeah. Such a good movie. I love that movie yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I was speaking to uh, my old boss, who's a humongous Star Wars fan, and he's kind of the only sort of opinion I trust when it comes to Star Wars because, um, you know, there's a lot of fanboy business and, and blah 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 and it all, it all goes but yeah he loves star wars with a passion and he was just like hated it mate it's the first time i've ever hated a star wars movie and i'm gutted and i was just like oh, oh no. no um and what this new one yeah and i can see where he's coming from like he, he said what it was and, and I, I could totally see where he's coming from but yeah it's uh, it's definitely gonna split opinion i think definitely yeah oh. I'm going on Monday with the wife. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the franchise as well. Loved the last one. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned to be honest. I'm worried. Mm. Even though I like J.J. Abrams as a director, I think he's usually really pretty solid. It's a weird. It depends what you're expecting and how you go into it. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I found plenty to enjoy. Oh, good. If I'm being honest, like on a personal level, I remember watching the Last Jedi, and there were so many bits in that where I was like, "Whoa!" Didn't expect that coming. Yeah, yeah. Totally yeah. blown away. 
This one, you kind of see everything coming and you're like, oh, yeah, all That's right. That's what I'm really? worried about. But yeah, there's enough in there to enjoy. It's definitely a good cinema experience anyway. Like I... Oh great! I, yeah, yeah, I always yeah. cool. I always judge a cinema trip on and a film watching in the cinema is how many times I look at my watch, and I never yeah. I yeah. never looked at my watch once. And it, oh, it's brilliant! Two oh, minutes. That's a long very, film. So that's over two cool. and a half that's hours. It absolutely flew by. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, oh that's good. As a cinematic experience, I, I loved it. I, cool. I bet it look look good as well. It does. Yeah, you know, it does look good, and it sounds great. And uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, there's there's enough to like about it to warrant a visit, definitely. Nice, so, yeah. nice. Anyway, 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 what, what have you guys been watching? Um, so I watched Marriage Story on Netflix with one Kylo Ren and Scarlett Johansson. Watched it with the wife. We both enjoyed it, although I got a little bit worried when she started making notes and asking if Laura Dern was a real attorney. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, it's really good. It's been memed to death on Twitter. So if you ever go on film on film Twitter, it's becoming there's a it's not a spoiler to say there's a few arguments between Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver and uh, oh is that what it's is, from? Yeah, yeah, one of ah. them is being memed to death at the moment. <laughs> also, Simon, based on your recommendation a few weeks ago, I have started watching The Watchmen, Ooh. which is absolutely amazing. Good, I'm on it? episode cool. five. It's phenomenal. It's really, really it's good. Nice. Very, very. Is it still good. holding up as you go through as well? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a direct sequel to the uh, comic book, isn't it? Right, right. But it's got so much more layers to it, I think. I think it's really, really good. Nice. It lends itself to that long-form storytelling. Yeah, because I, I remember you, you asked me, James, and you said, do I need to watch the film before I watch it? And yeah. I was like, no, I'd say read the comic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Refresh yeah. yourself with the comic before, because it kind of, it's more in line with that than what happened in the film. Yeah, there's a lot of squid-based aftermath and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's not in the yeah, film. Yeah, it was famously so. removed from the film. Um, but it's, yeah. it's so good, isn't it? It's just really good. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, you know what else I've been watching as well that's really good? The wife got a new iPhone, so we got a year free of uh, Apple TV+. Plus, and it's, oh, I'm, nice. I'm quite I'm digging it. Uh, but they've got the um, the the morning show on there, you know the uh, oh, yeah, hashtag, the hashtag Me Too uh, Apple drama with Jennifer Aniston. And the cast you know is what? amazing oh. in that, isn't it? Yeah, mm. Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell's in there as well. Uh, yeah, it's it's really really good. It gets better as it goes along. It, like it started off a little bit slowly, but Jennifer Aniston's really really good in it. Like, like I don't know why I'm surprised. I, I think she's good anyway. You never get over yeah. your first crush anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, she's fantastic, and uh, it, the show is really, really good and really well done. Nice. So, yeah. Is it a cop? Is it got like hints of comedy in it, or is it serious? No, no, it's a drama. It's like um, there, there's there's some there's some good biting dialogue in there. It's quite Aaron Sorkin-y, but not mm. as navel gazing. It's it's really good. I I think it's really good. Cool. Nice. Uh, I'm going to save my answer to the question um, for the actual pod, actually, because it'll give the game away what I've been watching this week. Oh, right. So I'm going to keep it. What um, I've actually, um, you know, lads, I'm going to be honest, I've been a bit morose this week. Oh, no. Oh, because, no. Um, yeah, yeah, a bit melancholy. Um, Were and you again, visited by three ghosts in the night? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But it's I the season. I could have done with their counsel on this issue. Um this week uh, marked the 50th anniversary of, again, you know, we always say let's not date the podcast, but here we go again. Uh, this week marked the 50th anniversary of Honor Majesty's Secret Service coming out. And if only Irma Bunt's automatic machine gun had jammed, it would have been uh, James and Tracy Bond's golden wedding anniversary. <laughs> 
So I've been, you know. <laughs> you know, thinking they James and Tracy could be on their estate now, you know, somewhere called something like Checkers, like I don't know. Skyfall. That's the no. name of the house. <laughs> they, 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 no, no. That's non-canon. Face. Those films don't exist to Rob. Non-canon. Case, so non-canon. <laughs> uh, but this actually too good. Get us too on. good, I think. I think that's why they don't right, exist. That is, that is <laughs> <laughs> that is enough of this. Uh, no, it did get me thinking, you know, because I was thinking about this, like, would James Bond have ever made it to 50 years of marriage? And, no. Um, <laughs> no, but I think, actually, Lazenby's would have. Lazenby's Bond at the end there, I think he would have done 50 I tell you what, have you ever watched that George Lazenby documentary about him becoming Bond? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be really good, yeah. George Lazenby's Bond might have. But George Lazenby in real life would not have. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> he loved the ladies. Yeah, he loved the ladies. Was it? Was he not just a model? He was like. A, he was like. A, yeah, he was. Like yeah, the pants model or something, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. like he was in like a, 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 a chips oven chips commercial or something like it's that, really and gorgeous. totally blagged his way in. Yeah. yeah. Now, so I was thinking his Bond and Dalton's Bond, I think, would both have been faithful. I can't think of any others. What, <laughs> what about you? I mean, Roger Moore, you might as well not even ask the question. No. Ooh, hello. You know, he'd have been causing mayhem at his own wedding ceremony. <laughs> yeah, Roger yeah. Moore. <laughs> he can't be left alone with a grapefruit at breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, <laughs> I can't, I can't think... <laughs> I can't think Brosnan's Bond would have been faithful. Connery's, I can't think either. I mean, you know, and then Craig's would have shot her in the head and then just <laughs> dumped her in a bin and robbed her body, you know? You so do that think... one time and you get tarred for life. <laughs> <laughs> so, no it's, been, no, it's been a sad time this week thinking of all the could have bins for young James Bond. Anyway, anyway. Um, movie, movie I like how Rob's are. manufacturing his own tangents now before we even come on the pod. <laughs> no, I, I didn't realise that was going to be a tangent. I was just, <laughs> I was just you were asking that. Because one of the things I have watched this week is I've gone back to watch Trace's Death in. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen that of all the Bond films. Oh, say, it's, it's so good. It's so good. And it's deeply upsetting at the end. Deeply upsetting. Anyway, um, this is a Christmas episode, essentially, isn't it? It is. So it is. Let's get, we'll abandon the, <laughs> the fidelity of James Bond actors. Or, or, you know, the character. We'll abandon that for a while. Um, Christmas movies, guys, right? Do you have any go-to movies that get you in the spirit at this time of year? Oh, I mean, yeah. How long have you got? Um, I mean, <laughs> mine's a nice mix of tea. I like a Christmas TV special as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the films I'd go to is Die Hard because it's just great that you get to watch Die Hard every year and you can pretend that it's a Christmas film. It's not really, but, <laughs> but it is. Like, <laughs> right. That's the yeah. second time I'm walking off the podcast tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Die Hard. The first Die Hard is for winter. And Die Hard with a Vengeance is for summer, and then you just don't acknowledge any of the other ones. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> exactly two, two's good. How you should watch. <laughs> yeah. What, where William Sadler doing yoga in the nude? Yeah! 
that, I mean, that's that's what you want. That's what that's Christmassy. That's festive. Uh, look, there's no Christmas baubles of. Uh, there's a Christmas bauble of John McClane being stuck in a vent. There's no Christmas baubles of William Sadler's taint. <laughs> Just uh, you know, which one is more Christmas? Just Christmas-y? throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, Die Hard, obviously, just uh, and then obviously some version of a Christmas Carol, usually of yep. the Muppet or Scrooge variety. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scrooge yeah. is fucking amazing. I love that. Phrase. It is, yeah. Which Bill Murray hated and absolutely dissed when what? it came out. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. You, you can look it up on YouTube. He didn't like it at all. Wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. But he's he's, he was, he's famously quite cranky, Bill Murray, isn't he? So that's it's part of his allure, I believe. Love Scrooge. Love Scrooge. Awesome. And then uh, TV-wise, um, the Office Christmas specials are fantastic. Uh, that's the English version of the yeah. Office for our uh, US listeners. And uh, Knowing Me, Knowing Yule with Alan Partridge is also a fantastic <laughs> yes. Christmas special. Is that the episode where he gets fired? Is that the... Yeah, it's a live episode. I think he punches Tony Hairs with a turkey <laughs> it is, on his Yeah, hand. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a nervous breakdown live on Earth, so it's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's what Christmas is all about. It is. It, me, it, so, it, yeah. You know, it genuinely is. <laughs> uh, so, what about you? Um, well, my Christmas period always gets uh, officially launched when I watch Elf. Mm. Oh, yeah. I have mm. I have kind of like tradition. So I have a, a Christmas uh, Eve tradition of wrapping my presents, and I do that watching Gremlins. So I'll sit there and watch Gremlins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then when it comes to Christmas Day, I have to find space for Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah. Which is just, just absolutely amazing. I think it's the... the it's it's what Dickens would have wanted his yes. Story to, story <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Agree, Chuck. I am looking forward to uh, um, the BBC's adaptation of Christmas Carol yeah, for yeah. this year, which is 2019's. Guy Pearce is uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. Have you gone, Rob? Are you all right? No, the kids are causing trouble. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear them upstairs not going to bed. Silence! <laughs> Silence! We'll see if that works. Yeah. <laughs> this is staying it's in, by the way. Sent to the <laughs> NSPCC. Um, so now the kids have gone to bed, Rob. What's, what, what's yours go to Christmas movies? <laughs> uh, well, definitely Gremlins. Um, I just, I, I think that could be the Christmas movie for me because it is Christmassy. Um, and um, is that it's uh, Dante, isn't it, Joe Dante? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you're in the hands of someone. It's like that that whole Amblin setup. It's like a picture yeah, book come yeah, to yeah. life, isn't it? It's, it's so just, nice. Gremlins is amazing, isn't it? The concept oh, it is, is, isn't it? Just mind blowingly good. It is isn't so it? good, just isn't the, it? Yeah. The concept I'm, I'm, like at that debate whether I can show it my nine year old. You know, it's a twelve on Sky, so we're well, I think it's quite we? scary. To be honest with you guys, like. I was so traumatized by Gremlin. I watched it far too young. I must have been six or seven when I watched it. Really, the first time. really. And I, I've I've never been able to watch it all the way through <laughs> since. I find really? it so scary. Oh my god, God! <laughs> I've not even attempted the thought of it, but um, I think I'll I might try it before Christmas this year. Well, my, well, my equivalent, yeah, yeah. my equivalent of that, James, is I'm not. It's not Christmassy at all. I may have mentioned it before, but um, 
Michael Jackson's Thriller, I still haven't seen that all the way through because I'm too scared to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously my nana tried to show it me and um, I was too scared. <laughs> Nana's back from the holiday special. As soon as, as, soon as he starts w- turning into a werewolf and he turns around and goes, go away with his yellow eyes, his big blue face. Oh, was yeah, I was yeah. Like, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm never watching this ever again. And I still haven't seen, <laughs> I still haven't seen that full-length Thriller music video. Because I was about six at the time, but it just traumatized me for life. <laughs> I, I think I, I watched it at a similar age, and um, the it was a, my first ever sleepover. So there's four young lads, about six, seven, and one of the lads had. A, I'm not going to name any of these people, <laughs> yeah. by the way, but they had for reasons that will become apparent. Um, um, you know, it was on VHS, and they said, well, you know, we'll watch this. You know, and I knew we weren't supposed to watch it, so I left them to it, and they were all traumatized because they, they had um, a Nintendo in the other room, and I'm like, well. I'm going to do that instead, you know, <laughs> the, you know, be a good boy. And then uh, they all came to bed and no one could sleep. So they all did like, should we do dares? And one boy said, like, I'll do a dare and just dropped his pants and wiggled his Johnson around. <laughs> like, it's just, no one asked for that. You've just done that off your own back. You did dare. It wasn't him. even you the did, dare. You did say dare. No, no, no one dared him. He, just, he said, like, should we do dares? Here's one. Woohoo! No, no, that's not how it works, mate. It's not how it works, mate. You don't volunteer it. You know, <laughs> good job you didn't name whoever it was. <laughs> yeah, I know that's exactly why I didn't do it. Um, yeah, uh, Swiss Family Robinson is another one, the one with John Mills. Um, just because I think I watched it at Christmas when I was a kid and it was awesome. But I've also got a soft spot for whatever big movie of the summer eventually comes out on DVD, doesn't it? By the time you get to yeah, when I was growing up, it was always that. So I, I couldn't get over Jurassic Park on VHS arriving on Christmas morning. That was so great. You know, like, how have you condensed this film I love so much onto a mere VHS cassette? I don't know. But um, I got a DVD player with Phantom Menace uh, (laughs) um, for Christmas once. And I'd not seen Phantom Menace and I immediately hooked it up in my room. Like, I can't wait. These visuals are going to be amazing, you know. And, you know, problem was I hadn't seen it. So I spent Christmas morning, like, bemused watching about trade deals and political (laughs) separatists. (laughs) Is this Star Wars? Is this still Star Wars? Uh, but do you guys have like um, a, a memory? Like, have you got any particular film-related gift that you got for Christmas that properly blew you away and stuck with you? I was always games. I was always like my my son yeah, was yeah. games. So vividly remember, there's two what stick out. We bought, we got uh, when we were really young. Me and my brother got given Street Fighter Two on the Mega Drive. Oh, that blew us oh, away. Yeah. That was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and then the second one what a game was. That was. Um, Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh, yeah. And because my mum and dad are like quite... Well, my dad's just just doesn't bother with, you know, he leaves it all up to my mum when it comes to buying Christmas presents. (laughs) And my mum is so relaxed. She's just like, yeah, I'll get it. It's fine, it's fine. By the time she came to get it, it was sold out everywhere. You know, by the time Santa came to get it. Well, yeah, sorry. Um, And she had to get a... uh, It was an import from Sweden. So everything was in (laughs) Swedish on the box. And you had to go in and change the language to English to, like, play it. (laughs) But she got it. She got it. She got it. How good's that? Absolute dedication. And it was, like, it was a nice gold N64 cartridge... And yeah, that's Christmas for me. Um, it was yeah, it was always video games. That, yeah, that oh, and Tor nice, up two nice. <laughs> on the N64. Oh, the cerebral ball! Oh, the cerebral ball! Oh my god! 
<laughs> awesome. I used to get a lot of uh, action figures that so that oh, was yeah. sort of very Christmassy. So a lot of um, not really off the films, but uh, the real Ghostbusters. I really like oh, yeah. cartoons. Oh, so I got yeah. a lot of those awesome. action figures and Ecto One. That was amazing. Yeah. And I got a turtle wagon one Christmas as well. Oh, lucky bastard. A I only got well. figures. Yeah, I yeah. never got vehicles or buildings and or anything like it that. It was brilliant because I, un- I unwrapped it and I was like, oh, wow, I can put the turtles inside this. You couldn't fit all four of the turtles inside <laughs> it at all. The turtles were massive, right? You could fit maybe two in, but like jammed in at regular age. Like, Bullshit. You guys are on foot. <laughs> <laughs> It's 15 miles away. I don't care. Don't Michelangelo care. will have to go in the van because he's carrying four pizzas. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and he's a, what was it in the limit? A rude dude? He's a dude with two? He's a, or... he's a party dude. He's a pa- Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was actually, you know, major segue this one, but um, I was at the Vets this week and uh, saw, um, you know, on the wall, this was just taking the dog in for jabs, but on the wall they had, um, uh, a, you know, of all things, a guinea pig obesity chart um, <laughs> and with gradients of fatness of your guinea pig. And the bottom one was the shape of the turtle's blimp toy. <laughs> <laughs> Does your guinea pig look like the turtle's blimp? <laughs> Right, you've got to stop. Ease off the food. (laughs) The the turtle's blimp has become a unit of measurement in the animal kingdom. (laughs) Oh, dear. The Flickering Myth Podcast is a source for all of the weekly entertainment news that we could possibly be bothered to talk about. Tune in every Tuesday for a roundtable discussion featuring a host of Flickering Myth writers and contributors. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers as well as right here at flickeringmyth.com, part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Anyway, anyway, a lovely, uh, you know, it's nice to reminisce about Christmas because Christmas is, movies and Christmas go together really nicely. Mm. It's the most wonderful time oh, of the year. Flip, flop, flip, flop. I don't think those, those are the words, are they? <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, right. Whose pick is it this week? Oh, it, it is my movie for our festive folly, oh. gentlemen. Oof. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? <laughs> no, we're not talking about Die Hard because that's not a Christmas movie. Uh, <laughs> that's a conversation. Right, I would fight you. <laughs> <laughs> conversation no. for a different time. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so this movie, along with its predecessor, is one I just absolutely adore around Christmas time. And I cannot believe... It actually qualifies, but alas, it really does. It like really does, like really qualifies. We're catching up once again with the McAllisters and their terrible parenting. <laughs> <laughs> Only this time, their youngest son Kevin finds himself in the Big Apple, facing pretty much the exact same thing he did in the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is, of course, Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. Of all the familiar sounds of Christmas, surely. This one is the most beloved. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. My family's in Florida and I'm in New York. Funnily enough, we never lose our luggage. (laughs) Once again, the family that loves staying together. Can I help you? Reservation for McAllister? Couldn't be further apart. He's in New York. This is a vacation. Only two things could ruin this vacation. And they just hit town. Hiya, pal. Ah! 
kid always wins against two idiots. Oops. You guys give up? Have you had enough pain? Never! What kind of idiots do you have working here? The finest in New York. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. You wearing aftershave? That's kerosene. Now why would anybody soak a rope in kerosene? Merry Christmas. So when I came around to watching this, to rewatch it for the pod, uh, I was I was like, right, it's not on any of these streamers. So I googled Home Alone 2 stream. You know, sorry, a bit naughty. <laughs> and uh, it came up on Daily Motion, which is this like European version of YouTube. And I was like, oh, yeah, amazing. Brilliant. It was like two hours long. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Press play. Sat on the trade watching it. And it was like the intro started. The amazing, gorgeous. Is it John, is it John Williams who did the score? It is John so Williams. Yeah, yeah, gorgeous yeah, John yeah. Williams score. And then, the, yeah, the, the opening credits goes on for a long while. So it's like a good time. Yeah, like, yeah, setting yeah. down on the trains. Kicks off, going to the McAllister household. And then I realise it's all in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so for God's sake. It's like, can't watch this. No idea what's going on. <laughs> That's what you get for piracy, Simon. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I, it's a lesson learned. It's a lesson you are no better than sticky bandits. <laughs> <laughs> so they, was, uh, I had to go on uh, Google Play and pay three pound fifty for my HD rental to watch it again. <laughs> I learned from my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, um, why we? How? Why did you pick it? Uh, I'm so glad you did. By the way, you know I, I I'm delighted uh, by the fact that we're doing this film. I just fucking love it. I just think it's brilliant. I <laughs> absolutely love it. No, no. I, I awesome. when I saw it qualified, I was like, yeah, this is definitely the festive special we're going to do, and it's definitely going to be yep. Home Alone too. So yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, and when was you know you said that you obviously you tried to watch it naughtily this week? Slap on the wrist, young sorry, man. I'm sorry, um, everyone. <laughs> you wouldn't this, steal uh... a car. <laughs> you wouldn't steal a policeman's hat and then shit in that hat. <laughs> um, but prior to that, when was the last time you watched it? I watch Home Alone every year for Christmas. That's like yeah, a, a, yeah, a given. Yeah. Home Alone 2 is sort of like every other year <laughs> I watch it all the yeah, time yeah. I've seen yeah. it so many times so many times I've got to be honest I'm the same boat it was probably I probably saw it last Christmas so yeah James what about you man? yeah it's pretty much a Christmas staple in our yeah. house and has been yeah. pretty much since I was a youngster I remember my dad laughing hysterically at this <laughs> like to the point that I've, I've seen him laugh a lot well occasionally when he's not been a miserable guy but <laughs> Uh, yeah, like just absolutely dying laughing watching this. And uh, we always have it on around Christmas, either this one or the original, because they're basically the same film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Inarguably, really. Yeah. In terms of qualification, let's start budget and box office, James, because obviously this is coming off the back of a monster hit in Home Alone. Yeah. So um, I want to play a little game with the box office, guys. So. 
Oh, yeah. uh, the uh, the gross for this one is three hundred and sixty five million worldwide off a twenty eight million dollar budget, which Oof. is quite a hit. Yeah, quite a hit. Primo. Would you say that was higher or lower than the original? Uh, lower, lower. I'm going to go higher purely for the sequel factor. Ooh. No, it is lower than the original. But do you care to take a stab at what the gross was on the original film? I think it's massive. I think it's nine hundred million. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, 600 million. Simon is closest, so that's 477 million worldwide. So, yeah, with inflation, it probably is about 900 million. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, I'm thinking it must. It was a massive, massive smash, yeah. wasn't it? Like, yeah. grannies knew about it. They yeah, knew about was... the cute little blonde kid that was battering criminals. Yeah, yeah it was uh, 18 million budget. I think it was number one in the US for about 14 weeks. Steering me. There's a brilliant uh, documentary series on Netflix, actually, uh, called The Movies That Made Us. Mm. And there's a Home Alone edition of that. Nice, nice. And it tells the story of how it well, it got put into Turnaround and Warner Brothers and then 20th Century Fox stepped in. This is the original. And uh, the budget was around 15 to $18 million. And then, yeah, it went on to do $477 million worldwide. But I'd really oh, recommend yeah. that. It's got... It's, it's, uh, it's yeah, I'd a like really, to see that. Really yeah. good show, actually. Yeah, I saw, I saw someone complain about it because they were all movies from the 80s yeah and it was like it was like oh yeah but what about films from the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and it's like <laughs> the people who have made these programs are obviously like our age so of course it's yeah. going to be films from the 80s you absolute knob like <laughs> plus you know when you make something you actually want people to watch it yeah so they're yeah. not going to be Doing a sort of, you know, like, oh, let's do a, uh, let's do a, a deconstruction of in double indemnity for the kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a great movie, but you know. <laughs> it's not gonna, you know, it's not for the casual Netflix crowd. Yeah, exactly. Is Netflix is for like our generation and younger, isn't it? Really. Yeah, so of course. Like, what, what, are you, what should we watch tonight? Should we stick Netflix on? Um, and then, like, oh, there's a documentary about Home Alone. Would you watch that? Of course yeah, I would. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there's one about the toys yeah. as well. So it's like the toys that made us, and it's like turtles and Ghostbusters oh, nice. and stuff like that. Well. Oh, Ooh, I'm watching that. I didn't know no, about that. I didn't know about that. I'm making notes immediately. Did we make a Netflix series and not realise? <laughs> <laughs> we must have. We must have. So um, we know that it was a hit, oh, so yeah. it must qualify through... Critical reception. I'm I'm outraged at this. Absolutely outraged. <laughs> right. So I'm gonna be. It's, I've not looked. So I I kind of have a hint of that. It's, it's a because it's quite old. It's what 27 years old. So I think. Whoa. Rotten Tomatoes Metacritic's kind of skewed it a bit. However, stats don't lie, so it qualifies. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes 33 percent critical, which is what's that the equivalent of 1.5 stars. Which that, is fucking ridiculous. That's a disgrace. Audience has it slightly higher at 61%, which I think is probably f- pretty fair. Metacritic's not on Metacritic. The first one is, oh. but this one Ooh. isn't. What? Is that, yeah, it's what? really annoying, yeah. Um, but yeah, general general consensus is like it's just a cash grab and a rehash on the first one. It's the exact same thing. Sadly, San, the San Francisco Chronicle, I couldn't find a review at all, let alone Mick LaSalle. Oh, what? I'm sure he's got one somewhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll email him. I'll give him a ring tomorrow and see if he's got one. <laughs> what are they all doing? The, the go-to after LaSalle is, is Mr. Roger Ebert. And he did, no, oh, yeah. he did not like it. 
So he, he oh, hated no. the first one, though. He, d- he hated he the did, first one. He did, so he did. Did he? So yeah. an excerpt from his uh, review was, I didn't much like the first film, and I don't much like this one, with its sadistic little hero who mercilessly hammers a couple of slow-learning crooks. <laughs> 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 so we'll go to Letterboxd. Do you guys want to hazard a guess at what he sits on the Letterboxd? Uh, I'm going to go three? three stars, right three down stars. the middle. What are you saying, Rob? Three. Three. Yeah. Uh, just for the sake of a game, pick something else. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it goes no, in... I usually go for something really ridiculous. Twenty-seven stars. It goes, <laughs> it, it goes in decimal points as well. So. All oh, right. Okay. Uh, three. Um, no. Two point nine. Oh. It, <laughs> it was three point two. Um, oh, God's sake. I could have won one of these. Yeah, you could have. <laughs> if that, I went a point chance. decimal one I give you way. A hint, I give you a hit, mate, and you didn't take it. You went lower. Well, you just said uh, pick <laughs> a different one. <laughs> um, uh, so, so, but going through the end, the lower end of Letterboxd reviews is really fucking funny because I, <laughs> I never realised how much people hate this film. <laughs> that, people hate this movie. Just a couple to, to pluck out. So this was watched by someone called Oluk. And on all these reviews are quite recent, and I, I guess that's probably why these, the reviews are so low. Yeah. Truly awful. A movie that fetishizes stranger dangers to the point of grueling discomfort. Case in point, anyone who thinks it's a good idea to show Joe Pesci pointing a gun at a 10-year-old kid needs to find another career. It's truly psychotic. Just like, like... Come on. Well, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. To be I... fair to Joe Pesci, did you see what that 10-year-old has done to him? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I... I'll talk about missing a point, but I mean, good grief. Another good one. This was by someone called Mumbo Jumbo, one star, who watched it on Christmas Day 2013. Um, <laughs> grown, men, grown men come into the park and never leave alive. This is a real line of dialogue that is meant to make sense. Age makes revisiting this one a real downer. Hilarious if you think of it as a prequel to the Saw franchise, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, <sighs> to be fair, Kevin McAllister could grow up to be Jigsaw. He could, no, he's an absolute psychopath. He is absolutely <laughs> But a genius. But a, a total yeah. genius. So's Jigsaw. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't... Oh. It's, does that mean that, I mean... Are we looking at it through the lens of obviously what are we mid thirties now? This came out when we were you said twenty seven years ago, right? So yeah, old. we're sort of nostalgia mid- is yeah, very nostalgia, heavy on our side. It must be, one. yeah, it has to be. Um, but I can't think of a film that has a child throwing, you know, delivering this much violence. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't picture that I would hate it. No. <laughs> you know, I'm always going to find that quite funny. Yeah, I just, I just think like I think. I guess through a modern day eye or like the the people who are not necessarily the age we were when we watched it originally, but that sort of like early 20s, teenage year, you know, when you're coming into adulthood, they'll just be disgusted by this. But yeah, the general consensus critically, it seems, is that the adults in the room really didn't like it and they really didn't appreciate the amped up violence. Um, yeah, and they do amp it up, which I don't do think is necessarily up. a bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Certainly, like... But, you know, in reality, it's a kid's movie, and that's what kids want to see. So it's, yeah. it's fine. It's like, just chill out, man. Just enjoy enjoy the, the chaos of it all. Enjoy <laughs> it. I mean, right. So people are complaining, saying this is obviously terrible, right? Okay. Um, and I'm one step away from imagining that these super woke guys are like... 
you know, oh, this is just a prime example of, you know, how parents from well-off backgrounds don't know how to parent their children or, you know, something like that, you yeah, know. That's exactly what it is. And it was, yeah. and it was, um, it was, people had a, a big problem with how it treated poor people. What? So they were saying like how the, uh, the, the sticky bandits and the, the pigeon lady, and it was like, it's disgusting how they treat poor people and think they're <laughs> horror. And it's like, it's a fucking Tom and Jerry movie. It like, is. Calm down. Yeah, it's a cartoon. It's not trying to do any social commentary. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah. Give over. I don't get it. Right. So can at this point, can I refer back to what I watched this week? Oh, yeah. Which was I watched Home, Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, Home Alone 3, Home Alone 4. Oh, it's called something like New House or taking back the house or and the home alone five the holiday there's house. five of these fucking yep. things i haven't seen anything but the first two i wouldn't recommend i mean sorry you sent me a message saying i've just got an email uh, sorry i've just seen a review from someone who who thinks that three is better than two <laughs> Boys, I've, ma- I've, I've marathoned this this one and do you know which one they all want to watch again it's the second one that's the one they all want to watch again. It's Not any of the other one. ones. It's the second one. <laughs> and I've got. To, I'm telling you dead straight. If you thought three was bad, four. I mean, four makes this movie look like Citizen Kane. So, <laughs> it's, which one is it? Where it goes back to the McAllisters and they're all At and, four. And, is that fault where they're split yeah, up? Yeah, and, and it, it's so cheaply made, it's horrendous. So it's you've got a new buzz, as well, aren't they? and a, buzz yeah, it's, it's absolutely horrible. And it's it's filmed. Oh, we don't. I don't like doing negatives, but it's atrocious. It's absolutely no, atrocious. It's, you know, I think it's fine when it's objectively a bad film because I think it is. It's just like oh, you know, it is. It is. It is. Um, I get. I suppose four is that bad. It makes five. The holiday heist look, you know, quite something. Maybe even as good as Paul Blart too. Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> but... <laughs> but, no, seriously. One, uh, so, um, it may even go one, two, three, five, and four in in terms of the way we go down in the list. So you do actually go down, but for my money, actually one and two are the same. Like I enjoy them and love them both just the same. Whether that's yeah. through the prism of nostalgia, I would take that on the chin very squarely. Well, yeah, it it. I mean, obviously, nostalgia plays a big part with a film like this when we clearly watched it as kids and loved it as kids. Yeah, yeah. but I watched this. I I watched it just before we were recording tonight. And I was howling laughing, and I'm a 33-year-old man, and it's just, it's so funny. The long-standing things of this film is the comedy is so good in it. Like, straight from the off, it's really, really good. And, yeah, I'm just, I'm so baffled by the younger generation who take take offence to this sort of thing, and it's like, come on, guys. Like, I understand things are... Things are if, a bit shitty in the world nowadays, and there are certainly there are films out out there which do take liberties and do, uh, you know, racist or classist or homophobic or whatever. But come on, don't pick on Home Alone two. <laughs> <laughs> of all the not, things, you know, it's not been directed by Michael Bay, for instance. You know, <laughs> no, like, no. like, but I would watch a Michael Bay Home Alone movie. Oh my, imagine the explosions. <laughs> Whole city block gone, thanks I mean, to Kevin yeah. McAllister. <laughs> I think with this film, it's a bit different to how we've done films in the past on, on, on the podcast because 
I think this is one we can safely say a lot of people have, have seen. So yes. Yes. a yeah. lot of people Lots have seen this film. So this, yeah. let's make no bones about it. It's a long movie. It is it's a long too movie. Long. It is long. It's yeah. way it is too, long. too long. Yeah. When I started it up, I was like, two hours, are you actually taking the piss? Yeah. Because yeah. as we get into the film, he runs away from the plaza at like minute 55. Yeah, so what's yeah. he doing for the next hour? <laughs> well, yeah. There's that, there, there is literally a saggy half an hour of not doing a great there deal. There really is, yeah. Honestly, yeah. if this was like a tight like 90 to 100 minutes. Oh, off, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, what a movie. <laughs> yeah. the, fir- the first one was, what, was like 145 or something like that. And Perfect. I, I remember, yeah, and, and, and yeah, two hours is, I don't know whether, whether they were trying to hang stuff at, but apparently they had to cut a lot out of uh, Kevin's mum. Because, you know, in the first one, there's a lot of cutting yeah, back to yeah, Kevin's yeah. mum being, oh shit, I need to go back and find yeah, some yeah. of my good mother. Yeah. They cut all that out of this one because there was no time for it. And it just makes them look like absolutely <laughs> terrible parents. I mean, they are terrible parents. <laughs> and I would, uh, I would, uh, to sort of play devil's advocate a little bit and kind of agree with the people on Letterbox. the McAllisters are the worst people in the world. <laughs> they are. I would they argue they are, are worse than the bandits, to be honest. The bandits are a pair of idiots, right, who've fallen down on hard times and the only way they can make a living is by robbing people, <laughs> right? The McAllisters are a bunch of rich arseholes, right? There isn't a single likeable one in the whole bunch, no, right? No, true. There really And isn't. I'd include the one who pisses the bed and that they make a living joke. <laughs> <laughs> a gag they decided to carry on into the next film as well, <laughs> which yeah. I really enjoyed. <laughs> and he's absolutely tearing it up in succession at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a fantastic really actor. I, <laughs> um, on the topic of uh, the parents, uh, can I just a slight segue anecdote, if I could? Um, went on a stag do with longtime listener of the podcast, TJP. Uh, it was his stag do, actually. And on the way back in the car, in the van going back to the airport... John Candy was there. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, whiskey, uh, where was it? Uh, polka, polka, polka. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that never happened. Uh, so we're going back and there was... Um, you know, there's 20 very hungover lads all in their mid, you know, late 20s, mid mid to late 20s. And um, one of them said, like, oh, it's just, you know, you always think you've forgotten something. And this other lad went, Kevin! <laughs> <laughs> On the timing, it was it was crippling. All of us, like, in our shreds. So it was, it was very, very, very good. Uh, I'll never, ever forget oh, that. Um, but you're absolutely good. right. I mean... The most atrocious parenting. I mean, the first, <laughs> the first thing you do. I mean, social services. Oh, good grief! And then at the airport later on, they're making jokes. We never lose our luggage. You know, yeah, yeah. there's a kid in the wilderness, but we never lose our bags. So basically, Absolutely despite brilliant. the debacle of last year, the McAllisters decide that they're going to go on a family vacation again. Which, oh. you know what? You'd go. You know what? We're just going to have Christmas at home this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> And, and we're not going to invite Uncle Frank and his equally shocking family. We're not yeah. going to have any of this. We're just going to have a quiet one. Uncle Frank is such a dick. Like, oh, he was a dick in the first one. He's a total dick in this one. Like, what? He's just freeloaded off his brother who's like, oh, yeah. well for himself. Yeah, he's not even paying for his part of the holiday. And they go first class as well. They're super rich, the McAllisters. They, like, they what do they do? It. What, is their, what, is, what is their employment? I'm desperate to know what they do. I don't know, but their house is absolutely massive. It like, is, isn't it? It's ridiculous. 
Oh, you, know, you can get 14 people in there not struggling for room whatsoever. Yeah, no, no. That's I, I, I don't know how it's done, um, but whatever it is they're into. Oh, um, John Hurd. Thank you. Back, Welcome back to the podcast, John Hurd, from um, yes. uh, Snake Eyes. Yeah, Snake, Snake Eyes, yeah. Very recently, yeah. Do you think these are, exist in the same cinematic universe? <laughs> So oh, is that his job? So. That would explain <laughs> a lot. He's funding dodgy deals down at Atlantic City. He is, yeah, yeah, that's what's going on. Cage is coming for you, McAllister. This is it, we've cracked the case. We've absolutely cracked the case. Um, and um, I mean, should we have a little chinwag about the film? Because there is a lot to chew through here. Yeah, yeah. That we're all going to want to talk about. But um, I, the, the length of credits one that you alluded to <laughs> earlier... Quite yeah. long, you know, quite, you know, we don't need that amount. We don't quite yeah. need that amount, but the music's so good. And the, the credit theme really that they use, you know, not, I don't mean the music theme, but the, the sort of the imagery, the motif is yeah. dead iconic, isn't it? The little it house is, yeah, and yeah. then the, the New York skyline uh, next to the house. Really the thing cool. is, if, you, if you're paying for Johnny Williams, you may as well milk that music for all it's worth. Mm. Did he do any new music cues for this movie or is he just, is it all just stuff <laughs> from the first film? Definitely rehash. I love it. You know, like if... You know when you buy the CD for a soundtrack, um, yeah. and it's got the the title, the, the names of the songs on the back, and they're all to do with things that happen in the you know, <laughs> first film. You, know, you wouldn't Matt, be able maybe, to tell the difference to be fair. No, no, you know, <laughs> Marv gets hurt. <laughs> I, I genuinely think it's one of his best work. One of his best. Oh, it is. Yeah, it, it is great it, across it, it really, all. Really it definitely good. is. I was doing some research this afternoon, right, and I was looking into John Williams. Did you know his son was once the lead singer of Toto in the late 80s? <laughs> did not know that. I did not know that. Did not know he, that He did not all. bless the rains down in Africa, but he won two of their <laughs> studio albums from 1986 wow. to the late 80s. Um, Blew my mind up. You've totally reminded me of um, I sometimes go and work, you know, um, when the kids have got like an after school activity, I go and sit in the local pub next to school and, uh, uh, and work in there. And um, sometimes, you know, you have when you have your headphones in, but you've not got any music on and you overhear what's going on because people don't think you can hear anything. And there were these people in dark suits all sat together like, and they were like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it, was a, it was a lovely day, you know, and the sombre mood told me, oh, this was a funeral, you know. Uh, and then um, one of them said, like, the, the song that the coffin came into, it's a strange choice, strange, choice. but somehow it worked, you know, and I listened a bit longer. It turns out it was Toto Africa. <laughs> And these these beat these you know these septuagenarians were so confused, and I'm thinking that the person who died he's trolling that audience, he's trolling oh, the people yeah, at his yeah. own funeral. But so I'd love to see a coffee like I bless the raised daddy. As soon as we're in there, um, into the as soon as the movie opens, um, you are into that lovely wide shot of the house, and I think for a lot of people this is their first take. You know, especially. Um, English British kids like us. This is yeah. like your first real taste of American, uh, like Americana, and what suburban America yeah, yeah, might look yeah. like. Yeah, certainly at a formative age of like seven, eight, nine, ten, and they've carried it on from the first one, so it looks yeah, the same. Yeah. You know, you straight away, you yeah, straight yeah. back in that world, don't you? Um, and um, we we sort of open it this this. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it what it is. It's an outrageous nativity themed event, uh, a school where you know. We need Ofsted here immediately. You know, no one is stopping everyone in the crowd laughing at a child being bullied on stage. You know, no <laughs> one's stepping in at any stage, at any point, you know. It's not even that funny. I don't no, know why no. everyone's... Because know, everybody in John Hughes's Chicago is an arsehole, right? There isn't a single <laughs> nice person apart from Steve Bruce. They deserve the everything that happens. Right. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, um, Devin Ratray as Buzz is absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, so and, good. You know, but th- this is very, where very the good. first major head injury of the film takes place when the uh, the Christmas tree falls over and <laughs> it's the pianist that is. Will right? I'm sorry, all you woke reviewers out there. If you're going to show me an old lady getting hit in the head and falling off a piano stool off the stage, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy and laugh at that. I'm so sorry, you know. Ooh, is PC gone mad? Genuinely, I'm not usually one of those people who goes like, oh, we all get offended by everything these days, or yeah, yeah. political correctness. Yeah, I'm really not. However, reading the reviews for this film, I'm like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah. No one cares for <laughs> the old woman who gets smacked in the end of a tree, but they care about the no, burglars no. who get bricks in the face. Oh, yeah, give over. <laughs> now, when, when we watched this this week, it was my uh, son's first time watching it, and when he saw it, he was like, oh, bangy head. <laughs> you know, pointed at the screen and said bangy head. And then um, that set a, a dangerous precedent because every time there was an injury in the film... He'd say, bangy head. So <laughs> now we're at the point where this film in our house is now called Bangy Head. Because <laughs> it happens so much, so much head injuries in this film. There are. Someone, um, the uh, Entertainment Weekly had a doctor analyse what the actual effects of the injuries to Harry and Marv would be. And at best, the diagnosis was brain damage at worst, death. <laughs> <laughs> Best brain damage. (laughs) That's the best case outcome. You know, best case scenario. Deary me. Especially Marv. Poor Marv. Although apparently the worst thing that happened to Daniel Stern on the shoot was a pigeon flew into his mouth during the climb. (laughs) (laughs) Is that true? Is that a true story? (laughs) I think this is why this film is so long, because... So we we get the the, the bit and the, the family stuff before they go on holiday, and then the whole setup to how Kevin gets separated from his family is he yeah. get they wake up late again, and they're like, "Oh no, they did it again!" And that's again John Williams straight from the first one. They don't. Is that John Williams or is it the Nutcracker? Oh, is it the Nutcrackers? I don't. Know. <laughs> I'm not uh, sure. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I'm not. I'm not well versed in those. Things. But anyway, so, so that song, and then um, you think they forgot Kevin again, but no, he's there. And it's like, oh no, I'm here. It's fine. Gets to the airport, and then he must. He he's got this little gadget called a Talk Boy, which we briefly spoke about <laughs> on the. Uh, oh, Did uh, anyone have a Talk Boy? Yes, my brother got one for yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I had one. Oh, I had one as well. Amazing. It was my brother's it as did, well. It didn't slow down when you squeezed it, though, did it? No, because the one in the movie doesn't actually work. It's just all done in post, oh. that. And the one that they is put it? out and sold to the masses is a little piece of shit tape recorder, basically. Yeah. It does <laughs> basically, there was a switch on it what made it a bit faster or a bit slower. Yeah. But it didn't oh, really, really make you Peter McAllister the father. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, to the degree the to be able to... to be... <laughs> Kevin loses his batteries on his talk boy uh, and then he, he he tries to chase the, the family to the gate and uh, he, there's a man who happens to be in the same coat as his dad and he follows him who he yeah. jumps on a, a flight to New York and it's actually quite clever how it's worked this bit because you're like, all yeah. right, how could, how could a kid get on a plane without a ticket, without a mm. blah, blah, but he runs into the uh, the stewardess with all the boarding passes and he goes like, oh, mine's in here somewhere and they just, because yeah. he's a kid. The wide-eyed innocent of a child, they just let him on. So all that sort of stuff is is actually quite well written in that. Yeah, you can uh, tell it's pre nine eleven. Yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> never I, happened. I thought, now um, he get gunned re- down at the gate. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I thought it really tightly edited that bit, you know, and genuinely good filmmaking when they, te- you know, like telling a story by editing moving pictures together and making it easy to follow. You know, the, sw- yeah, the that's what cinema the is, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought this was good cinema. This is good cinema. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Incidentally, um, here's my wardrobe shout out. This is the finest wardrobe moment of the film. This gorgeous tan tweed coat. jacket. My word, this is. Oh, it's a coat. It's not a jacket. I, yeah, I have it. A, abs- I, the, Do you the, have one? The, the listeners won't see this because we're on video. It's audio. I have a. I have a. <laughs> He's gonna get his... <laughs> does it feel? Does it feel nice? <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel as nice as it looks? Or it looks to, you know, Peter well, McAllister? I'll tell you what, when I'm running through an airport, I'm worried that a 10-year-old boy is falling behind me. <laughs> <laughs> when you wear it, does it give you the confidence of a rich, neglectful father? <laughs> <laughs> I love that, you know, uh, you were talking a minute ago about the, the boarding of the plane. I mean, he gets on the plane and, you know, it's the wrong one and... This is some of the worst ever irresponsible airport staff. I mean, is any adult in this film responsible? Where's his ticket? No, it's in this lot here. Board him, it's Christmas. I don't care. Get him out of my sight. Stick him on. Stick him on the plane. Get Uh, that child out of my sight. I'm I'm, I'm out of here in half an hour. I don't want to know. I, I like because the the stewardesses are like, uh, you know, we can't let him on. And then they, they get to their boss and he's like, He's fucked off and he's just like, whatever, board him. You know, it's fine. We'll find his dad when he's on the phone. We need to get this plane out. And uh, yeah, it's pre-9-11. So, you know, it was all a bit, <laughs> bit more flippant back then. And it's, an inter- it's, a, it's a domestic flight, so it's fine. They don't need passports or anything like that. So it's all good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, what, I'm more worried, actually. Right. So the two, the, the, they get on one plane. He gets on another, right? And um, we cut then to a radar screen, don't we, that shows the planes going in separate direction, right? Yeah. Did you see how packed that airport was? But they've only got two planes in the air. <laughs> you know, no one, all these other people aren't going anywhere. You know, don't bring it's all sense packed. to this they're, film, Rob. <laughs> they're just running the around in the airport, raiding duty free. And these guys are going nowhere, just cause it. They're dressing. But, oh, this JFK is oh, no, where are they? Chicago O'Hare Chicago. Airport is. Um, they've only got two flights that day. There's one going Miami. <laughs> there's one going New York. But again, I, <laughs> and they're at the same, the same time. <laughs> it was the same as the first one. I loved how they explained the fact how he got split up with the, with his parents. Mm. So in the first one. His plane ticket gets thrown in the bin and uh, accidentally gets thrown in the bin. And then uh, there's a neighbour, isn't he, where they're doing a head count and they count yeah, him as yeah, Kevin. Yeah. And um, and I, I couldn't believe it. I saw a BuzzFeed article where it was like, you wouldn't believe this thing. We've only just noticed in Home Alone that his ticket uh, gets thrown in the bin. And you're like, no, yeah. it's the fucking film. If you, if you it's called screenwriting. You're fucking that's that's that. That. <laughs> so, um, Literally part of the plot. So there's that. And then in, in this one, there's that whole thing. But then he sits next to a French guy on the plane who then starts talking to him in French, so he puts on his, his headphones. He's rude, isn't he? He he puts on his headphones. He's like, I can't understand what you're saying. Puts on his Well, he's, a, he's an entitled rich kid, Rob. Of course he's rude. Uh, and then, he's horrible, and he, isn't he? He puts, he puts his headphones on hmm. and can't hear the, the flight attendant saying, and this is your flight to New York City. So he, and, and he misses that. So he, he's on the flight unaware where it's going. Yeah. And I think that's well, really good it. writing. It's just really, no, it is really good. Yeah. It's really good writing. Like something as simple as he sat next to a guy he can't understand. He puts headphones on. And he's new talk boy, newfangled talk boy. Yeah. Talk boy gets more screen time <laughs> than Kevin McAllister by this point. What's he listening to on the talk boy? He's, he's Uncle his Frank saying he's going to laugh. Uncle Frank calling him a brother. 
pervert. <laughs> it's still the amount of questions I've had this week. Daddy, what's a pervert? <laughs> it's not helpful. Uh, oh, uh, just to go back to Uncle Frank as well. He tells him that he apparently. It, Kevin relays a story to his mum and dad oh, saying yeah. that he can't go in the bathroom because he'd never feel like a real man afterwards because Uncle Frank's in there. So that's his own uncle telling a 10-year-old that he's got a massive cock and it's best for his self-esteem <laughs> if he doesn't see it. <laughs> and they both laugh. You know, like, his dad laughs like... <laughs> awful, awful uncle people. Frank. <laughs> awful people. <laughs> Yeah, we still love it all. Uh, <laughs> no, that's the thing. But that, you're right. It's dead quick, isn't it? How they, from when they get up at home to when the planes are going different directions, it's actually the you know it's economical storytelling. It's really quick, yeah, actually, yeah. isn't it, to get to that point? And you know exactly what's happened and why it's happened and how it's happened. That's so really good. I wish the rest of the film, you know, that saggy bit was a bit more like that. Yeah, exactly. So he gets to New York. We have a montage, the one of many New York-based montages, and then he's off to the plaza, which he's seen earlier on the TV. Celebrity ding dang dong. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he uses his talk boy to trick the um, the receptionist into letting him into the uh, into booking Book into a, a suite. Yeah, yeah. Do you not think uh. that like the the voice, you know, yeah, they've slowed it down to make it deeper. That's great. Great thinking, Kevin, for a 10-year-old. That's very, very good. But you've made him sound like he's, he's like, I mean, he's, he's had barely a there. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want one of those little refrigerators like a key. <laughs> like, you know, the woman on the end, like, right. <laughs> this man has obviously suffered some sort of brain injury. Absolutely <laughs> oh. adore it. And then... You know, before we... Let's just get it out of the way, right? I've just put in, in my notes here, Trump, yuck. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Donald Trump's in these movies, yeah. Well, he owns the plaza, doesn't he? So obviously... Yeah, yeah he does, yeah. It. Only, only get my good side. Maybe look huge. He's such a prick, isn't he? <laughs> he had this clause in all of, like, these movies that were shot on real locations in New York where if they wanted to shoot in his buildings and obviously being a real estate scumbag, he had all the best buildings... And he would have a clause where it said, you have to give me a cameo in the film. But everybody else would just cut him out of the movie. But Chris Columbus left him in for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, don't worry. The, the, you get, you know, from the, the the distaste you feel in your mouth when you see him on screen, it's soon gone because we are welcomed by two, you know, gold standard alumni of yes. the podcast. Oh, my God. And aren't we just... Tim Curry. And a perfectly quiffed Rob Schneider. Right. I didn't recognise him without his brown face makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> this is a much uh, less racist part for Rob. Yeah, yeah, all right. I mean, welcome back, Tim Curry and Rob Schneider. Right, I'm going to get on to Tim Curry. But this, I think for Rob Schneider, this is, I think this is genuinely his best role. It is. Ever done. What? No, it, it is. is, 100%. It's it good. really is. Yeah, he's it good really here. Is. You know, this is like Laurence Olivier compared to Prince Habibu. <laughs> Um, but no, really, really good. Tim Curry, this this guy, it's a brilliant incarnation. Another ma- acting masterclass from this main man, and he's changed single handedly changed the way I say pizza forever. <laughs> oh my god! No, I, and, and I can attest to that because we've yeah. had this, we've had pizza many a times, Rob. And every time you yeah. order one, you go, "I'd have a lovely pizza, <laughs> pizza, your very own cheese pizza, pizza." 
Oh, and the smile. Uh, you know, uh, I would like to pay with it with my stolen credit card. <laughs> what's the matter, stolen credit card? <laughs> I have your detailed receipts here. <laughs> Another magnificent um, incarnation. Ham sandwich of a performance. Oh, it's, know, he's, it's so he's so absolutely good. brilliant, and it's probably why. It's longer than it is because they realised that they couldn't cut any of Tim Curry's bits. No, you can't get any <laughs> of that he was just like, it's um, too good. We can't but, take this out. It's no, so it's right. good. Massive bonus points um, uh, if you know the name of um, Rob, Schneider, Rob Schneider's character. I don't. Did, did any of them get name checked? Yeah, 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 yeah. Only Rob Schneider's oh, the only one that did. It's a really funny name, and I can't think of it. Cedric. Cedric, Cedric, yeah, yeah Cedric. it would only be funny coming Cedric. out of Tim Curry's mouth. Don't Cedric. count your tips in public, Cedric. <laughs> and what, what is, and it's never mentioned apart from a name tag, what is Tim, Curry, Tim Curry's character's name oh, as concierge? God. No idea. What's his name? Tim Mr. Hector. Mr. Hector. <laughs> How good is that? Was this was Home was Home Alone two lost in New York after Congo or before Congo? It was before. Oh, before was Congo. Before. Yeah. Before. Imagine he's about if to he's... hit a real hot streak as well. He's got Muppets Treasure Island coming up as well. Oh yeah, he has. If it was, imagine if it was after Congo and it was Herman Homunculus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the universe. Imagine. Welcome to the Plaza Hotel, free from the chains of Chow Chen. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good, isn't he? I, oh. This is. This is. The likes of the the kind of acting that makes a movie, you know. Like yeah. I think if it, if this was just a, um, no one giving a monkeys, this would be it would the film wouldn't be as memorable. But because no. they you know these guys are brilliant, you know, doing a great job in the character acting department, it's ace. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. Ace. it's delightful. So Tim Curry's automatically suspicious when he sees a ten year old. He's um, long, um, checking into the hotel. He's the only person mm. doing his job properly in this entire film. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah that's true. Funny, but but they all they all immediately treat him like he's peddling drugs or something. He's like a ten year old kid. Would you rather he's out there or just keep him in the hotel? He's fine. He's you know? a child. <laughs> yeah, and he's paying. He's paying. Well, yeah, he still has a. Even though the credit card is stolen, it's a stolen <laughs> credit stolen card. Stolen credit card. Uh, super stuff. Um, then, yeah, we're out and about. Harry and Marv are back. Um, yes, Harry, out of prison. Yeah, I don't they're know how they've managed that because they're the stupidest people on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Seems they left in a big fish van because prison obviously lead, needs loads of fish. <laughs> no, I just thought it. it's like, can you can you smell that, Marv? And it's like fish. <laughs> it's like, no, no, yes. freedom. It's like, ah, no, it's fish. definitely fish. Definitely fish. <laughs> Daniel yeah, Stern funny. is so good in this movie. Well, he, like, he really is. He really is. He is so physically adept when it comes to the comedy stuff. Obviously, Joe Pesci's brilliant. It's just great to see Joe Pesci in a kid's movie, given how violent he usually is on screen. Well, it's you know, like, don't worry, the violence is still there. <laughs> yeah, he's just it's on the receiving end of it for a Yeah, kid. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he's also... Um, he like you can see him visibly finding it hard not to swear yeah. terribly at times. Well, that was it. Uh, apparently, uh, in the uh, Home Alone documentary I was watching, when he gets dialogue through, he has to put it into his own vernacular, and usually he makes films for adults. So he always like, even if there aren't f words in the script, he will add them in there so that they fit more <laughs> into his Joe Pesci 
delivery, basically. <laughs> and he started do- to learn his lines. He had to do that with Home Alone. But then obviously when it came to shooting, it's like, no, Joe, you can't actually say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love... I, but we've never seen like Home Alone outtakes, have we? Or anything no, like no, that. I'd love, love to, to see that. I'd love to see um, Because... Um, He's a proper psychopath in this film. Joe Pesci. You know, Harry. Well, yeah, I, I saw, he's a lot more evil than in the first one, because in, in the first one, he's the clever one, even though they're both yeah. stupid. Yeah. He is the clever one. But I, I I heard a good story of Joe Pesci when um, I think I, he was in an airport or something and a kid ran up to him and was like, recognised him from Home Alone. and was like, oh my God, like I love you, can I get your autograph? And he, and he was like, who's your favourite actor, kid? And he was like, oh, you, you, of course. And he was like, Good answer. Give him a hundred dollar bill and then walked off. <laughs> ah! <laughs> now that that is how you use. You know, if you if you're famous, that's what you do. That's how you do it. Well, did you see Joe Pesci's uh, Oscar acceptance speech when he won for Goodfellas? It's the best Oscar acceptance speech ever. He just walks up to the podium, picks up the Oscar, and says, "It's my privilege. Thank you," and walks off. <laughs> What a legend! I didn't know any of that. That's amazing. So so good. Might be doing it again. He, he might be picking up another supporting actor. Nod in the uh, in the new Ooh. year. Who knows? Well, he says he tells a ten year old this in this film. <laughs> Nothing would give me more pleasure than to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, this ten year old has sent him to prison. I know. I know. No, no. no but before and he, and he, and he burnt his head and he burnt his hand. You know, he even goes more elaborate, like, you're going to chew gum through the bullet hole I'm going to put in your head. You know, something like that. Like, what on earth? And then he actually tries to pull the trigger on a on a revolver. <laughs> He's attempting homicide here. Not that Kevin hasn't already done that many times already. <laughs> I reckon, because like everyone's seen this film, I reckon, we, like, let's just probably skip to the bit everyone came to watch this film for, is like the bit at the end. But yeah. to get there, that the main story of it is that Kevin goes to a toy store and befriends the owner of the toy store. <laughs> yeah. like, Mr. Duncan. And he gives Mr. Duncan, two, yeah. He gives him two turtle doves. Uh, <laughs> right, I'm so, I'm, can I just please regale, right? You guys were very good enough to come and support one of my fights. <laughs> <then. laughs> and um, on the undercard, because they, they try and match it, like, as fairly as they can with ability and weight. On the under, like, down the card, I sent you guys the pictures of some of the other fights. And one of the guys looked like Duncan from Duncan's toy chest. And the, the person he was fighting, who was, you know, Bob on the same weight, was this guy called Rodney, who yeah. was about... He looked like, like Free mid- Jack from ECW. He did, yeah. <laughs> He'd like got um, a teardrop tattoo, and uh, and it was his first fight as well. So we called it Rodney versus Duncan's toy chest. <laughs> Does you know any listeners? I'll give you uh, five seconds to wonder how long this fight lasted and what the outcome was. One, two, three, four, five. Rodney pummeled him in about twenty-five seconds, and Duncan's toy chest. To be fair, though, he didn't have to say Turtle Dove's motherfucker when he knocked him out. <laughs> No, no, it was it was uncalled for. (laughs) Yeah, so um, Mr. Duncan's foray into the world of white collar boxing was not a very very good one for him. (laughs) Anyway, he's like the plot device. The the robbery on his place is is the The, sort of plot device. Yeah, the whole the whole like hinge of the story is basically on 
Duncan's toy chest. So uh, Harry and Marv do this before they get their uh, ticket to go. They need money to get a fake passport so they can escape the country. And to yeah. get money, they try and rob Duncan's toy chest because there's a lot of donations and uh, a, lot, yeah. a lot of money goes to like the orphans in New York and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Kevin then bumps into the, the who are now called the Sticky Bandits as opposed to the Wet Bandits <laughs> from the first one. And Kevin reacts in a wonderful way when he first sees them in the in the street. <laughs> <laughs> Could you do a recreation, Sai? Hi, guy. I need to step away from the mic. security in the building that you're recording in don't march upstairs now there's been a murder in the edit suite he's <laughs> <laughs> just honestly like I think this is one of those where I honestly think the comedy in this film is just fucking high bar comedy it's really fucking it is, funny. It is, yeah. yeah I mean we get, it's not it for is, nothing it it's written by the late great John Hughes isn't it like yeah yes yeah. and as much as he's pretty much recycled his screenplay from the first movie he does add some really good jokes in there's here, so like... many good jokes but that in it alone is like <laughs> they, they say to him like oh look who it is and then he screams and then they're just like oh shit like he screamed in the middle of New York <laughs> yeah <laughs> so funny and then so from funny. there it's really raining shit on Kevin McAllister isn't it because he runs back to the plaza and he's been rumbled there and he has to get out of the plaza in the only way he knows how and that's by using old film noir movies to, to trick oh, people right, into thinking yeah. he's got a Tommy gun <laughs> <laughs> again this is another this is another one right like it's pretty obvious this is a made-up film for this I didn't film. know that until about no, 10 years yeah. ago, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. BuzzFeed, like, you would believe what I was like, oh, God, go away. Watch I was so stupid. I was, like, trying to track that down in the university. <laughs> I library. know, yeah. I was like, you know, uh, can you imagine at film school if you'd made a massive boob of yourself by saying, oh, I think you'll find that Angels with Dirty Faces was a great film from the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, it's angels with filthy souls, isn't it? Sorry. With dirtier souls, or <laughs> and, and can we just add that the the physical comedy from because this is like Kevin's in his hotel room. There's five people come in, and the physical comedy is yeah. next level. It's yeah, next yeah. level. Yeah, no, it is. And Tim Tim Curry's never been better. He's never. You were up better. here last okay. night, and you were smooching with my brother. <laughs> <laughs> you were smooching everybody. I'm afraid you're mistaken, sir. <laughs> You were smooching with everyone. Bony Bob, Cliff, and then Cliff, Cliff's on the end. He's so good. And he's, he's this old game just like, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> now that that's a movie. That's a funny movie. And then obviously, if you know the Home Alone series, the person in the, in the film noir guns the woman, guns the people down with a Tommy gun. Yeah. And everybody's been tricked and they think that someone's actually shooting them. And it has the best payoff line ever, which is, <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> and a Happy New Year. <laughs> now, um, 
It's it's a I mean it's a rare thing in a film where uh, uh, you know a, a defenseless woman is gunned down in cold blood and it's not the most violent film. thing in the film. <laughs> it's not the most upsetting thing in the film by a long long way. I mean let let's be fair Home Alone would not in this current form in the way that it was made in the early 90s would never be allowed to be made. No no, no. absolutely not no. Not no, for no, a family well, audience anyway. No, and it would be a load of CG rubbish anyway wouldn't it? So Yeah yeah. yeah. I think this is obviously why a modern audience have a problem with it because they're just yeah. not used to seeing that sort of film violence, yeah. <laughs> that sort of violence. So like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's slapstick though, isn't it? Like, it is cussing. Like, don't tell me like so Tim fun. Curry like sneaking out of the room, you know, like Commando dragging his his pinstripe clad legs behind him as he tries to escape the room. You know, get back in your rooms. That's a disturbed guest. With a gun! <laughs> You're not going to get anything. You won't get anything better. You're not. Just call it. Call it. There's nothing funnier. There's nothing funnier. It's oh, just dear. really, really, really funny. So they they spot that he's a... Uh, he, he, it's fraud, isn't it? He's like credit card yeah. fraud. So they kick him out of the hotel. He's like runs off from the hotel. He's got a house because he, he realises his, un- his uncle Rob lives in New York. Oh, Yeah. yeah. So he can he can go to his Uncle Rob's house, but Uncle Rob's on holiday because their house getting refilled. Because he's a McAllister and he can't bear to have the holidays at home. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and their house their house is getting uh, a refurb. Yeah. When Kevin finds out, I mean, we've skipped over a lot of stuff in the film, but it's a fucking long movie. But, but this, this and this and is the saggy. Anyway. We've gone You've through the saggy it. bit. Yeah, We're doing the main it. beats. Yeah, yeah. So Kevin gets caught by the sticky bandits, and uh, he gets wind. Marv, the idiot that he is, tells him <laughs> the plan of Duncan's choice has to rob Duncan's choice. <laughs> he endeavours to like thwart them, doesn't he? So he figures it out, and he, you know, after he's he befriends the pigeon lady because there was the scary shovel man in the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the scary that ghost in this one is the is the pigeon lady, um, yeah. played by an Oscar winner, no less. Who is it? Is it not? Uh, hang on, I need to look this up. Live googling, because that that meme that meme of her looking like Piers Morgan is so spot on. I mean, oh, it is. Yeah, I mean, I think she looks more like. Uh, this is not a diss on the. Uh, <laughs> it is a bit of a diss. I'm sorry, I can't. She looks more like uh, former Manchester United legend and current Newcastle United manager Steve Bruce. <laughs> Steve Bruce, the pigeon lady. <laughs> Especially because she's quite softly spoken like Steve as well. Yes. Oh, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you. Brenda Fricker is her name. But she did win an Oscar for um, 1990 Best Support Actress for My Left Foot. Oh, wow. Did she? Wow. So she, yeah, so she, she Oscar winner. Oh, two years later, she's covered in bird shit hanging out <laughs> in the corner in Central Park. No, but there's two Academy Award winners in this movie. Yeah. What, Pesci, Pesci, Pesci as well, Pesci. yeah. Well, yeah. well, there should have been three because Daniel Stern definitely should have. Well, won. yeah, how Daniel Stern should have been Stern nominated at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking and, and Kevin McAllister for best sound design for. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh god, uh, I'm really hoarse after that. Uh, and then, <laughs> so he's befriended the pigeon lady, and he gives her the the second turtle dove because she's now a friend. And he needs to uh, thwart the, ro- the the robbers. And now this is where the film just fucking lifts up, and it's it like, loses it. Yeah, it's, it's half an hour of absolute carnage. It's so it is. 
so so good and what made obviously that's <laughs> what made the first film brilliant and they were like right let's just amp this up to 11 and, and they do, well. do, they do <laughs> oh they do i mean the, the... <laughs> you said it before james Daniel Stern, he, he's so... His physical comedy so is good. so fantastic in this. Like it is, isn't it? He's screaming the way his Harry, body moves after every Harry, time he gets hit. Harry! To the point that you know, I do it on the. I've noticed listening back to the podcast that I, when I, you know, when my voice goes high pitched, it scratches, doesn't it? You know, like it's actually happening in a mainstream movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. they both so, get to be fair to Pesci as well, they both go full Looney Tunes in this, they just yeah. become cartoon characters, don't yeah. they? Oh, they? yeah, yeah. They're just getting absolutely <laughs> leathered by this sociopath. <laughs> Some of the funniest bits in this whole sequence, because it's basically just a bunch of traps, what Kevin set up, and they all fall into him. But the funny, one of the funniest bits is how they're remembering what happened in Chicago, <laughs> yeah. and they're being a bit overly cautious, but they're yeah, just yeah, forgetting yeah. about, like, yeah. he's still smarter than you. And like, yeah. it's just... It's so funny. He's anticipated they will anticipate what's coming. (laughs) You can imagine my boy watching this, like, you know, especially the bricks to the head. Sorry, that's that's not a, you know, that is, they're throwing house bricks and they're hitting a man on the head from four (laughs) stories up, just so we know. Four times! My little boy was bangy head, bangy head, bangy head, bangy head, bangy head, all the way through this. I'm thinking when the bricks start going... You know, like in a legal cell sense, Kevin is not exhibiting reasonable force. <laughs> he's gone above and beyond. I mean, he needs immediately arresting and putting some sort of juvenile psychiatric facility. The, he's throwing bricks at a rooftop from a rooftop on people. He's setting people on fire. He's filling them with... He's electrocuting people. The kid is a monster. So the violence is so bad here that a staple gun to the penis feels like a light reprieve. <laughs> And the one that goes right up his sphincter as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's something else. But every minute of it is ace. Yeah. yeah the sound design so when when the when the rope like pulls on the trigger of the the nail gun the the nail oh. gun. And it's like <laughs> <laughs> the tension of it. Like, oh. <laughs> and when he when he pulls them out at the other end, boink. <laughs> Yeah, but this is what it, it makes the the sound effects are what makes this. It's it's all Tom and Jerry. It's all Carl. It's is, that's exactly like, right, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, like like when uh, there's a bit where Marv uh, there's a rope just dangling down and he pulls on the rope and he's like <laughs> doink doink and he's like oh yeah it's great. <laughs> and then he pulls on, and then uh, Harry gets burnt and he's te- and he wipes his teeth and it's proper like. <laughs> Like at this point, it's it's a total cartoon. And then yeah. we're not even got to the bit where <laughs> Daniel Stern gets to the basement. <laughs> it's a hat trick of fucking brilliant bits. <laughs> so, so, he walks in and the floor's really slippy and he dances around and then he's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Doing like Michael Jackson moves, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he and then he slides into a wall of pain, and he's covered in pain. <laughs> and then he gets electrocuted. The electrocution, 
and the reaction to it when he uh, because it cuts away from him after he gets electrocuted and we cut back to him right and he comes like <laughs> shaking like a shitting dog out <laughs> it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen like it really is he's, it he's really covered is. in paint right his hair's all stood up <laughs> Wait, no, no, the skeleton. We cut, you know, and his voice. Uh, you know, he's, he's already hot. Ah, 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 ah. So it cuts from like him normal, and then his hands, stand, his hair stands on end, and then he's a skeleton. <laughs> I think if you're not, you know, if you think this film is taking it serious, taking oh itself God, seriously, it's so have a look funny. at that bit. Have a look. It's right so there. Funny. But, you know, during that sequence, it cuts to Kevin as well, and Kevin smiles to himself with dead eyes and ups the voltage! <laughs> <laughs> Turns the dial! Oh, you can have more of that. <laughs> I, love, I love seeing that on the, on the trivia for this bit where it was like Chris Columbus was laughing so hard that he couldn't. He couldn't call oh. cut until Daniel Stern was on the floor, just like. What? <laughs> Can we do him like? Do you imagine like Ugh. this year getting him somehow like like a kind of service to cinema Oscar, you know, the Lifetime Achievement <laughs> Award for this just, one moment? <laughs> I, honestly, like, I, I know we we we're sort of like candid, you know, we're, we're sort of casual when it comes to these like, you know, raising up these these bits of films we're talking about, but honestly. There's not many better comedy performances than Daniel Stern. No, you're Home absolutely right, mate. He yeah. is you're absolutely right. Just right from the off, he's absolutely brilliant. He's so funny. Yeah. Because it, like he's big in the first one, but in this one he's made a conscious decision to go stratospheric, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah, he like, has. Yeah, yeah. And, but, it, uh, and all it's the brilliant. For it. It's just so good. The commitment to it. Like yeah, most yeah. actors would go, This is a silly kids movie. I'm gonna phone it in and I'll pick my paycheck up. Right? Yeah. But oh my god, he absolutely swings for the fences here and he's <laughs> so funny. Like just like the little lines like, Harry, I've reached the top, and then he oh, falls yeah. into a pit. <laughs> But it's like, yeah, it's like the little bit afterwards when he, he goes, he's <laughs> so good. And then he goes like, who's when, when they're getting hit by the paint pots, and they're obviously like, they remember, and they're like, oh no, the paint, we, you know, we'll stand aside. So the paint fly past him, and they miss him, and he's like, he gets him, and he goes, don't worry, Harry, I'll get him. <laughs> Ow! Right in the schnoz. Right in the schnoz. I have to be honest. I've been saying that. You know when Becky, sorry, Mrs. Parker says, "Can you go and get Robin, our little boy?" I'll be like, "I'll get him." <laughs> when he says like, and uh, Kevin goes like, uh, he goes and goes, "You guys give up?" And he's like, "Never." <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not serious, is it? In any no, way, it's not, it's not at all. Like because they've amped up the violence, they've realised they've also have to amp up the caricature, the absurdity. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to. Yeah, you know, the yeah, sound effects yeah, added in, and shoot, Daniel Stern being well over the top. And <laughs> I've said it a few times, but it is it's Tom and Jerry. Like it's just it is, slapstick it is. in its highest form. Yeah, and it's it's funny. It's really. Uh, um, really I'm funny. so sorry, Simon. I think you'll find that Tom and Jerry's a, a really on point <laughs> allegory for you know the Bolshevik communities and the proletariat 
you know, that just, you know, it, it never works out for the small man. Um, <laughs> so, you know, don't think that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> but uh, the criticisms, to be fair, because if you're taking this film seriously, you really need to give your head a wobble and stop worrying do, about some more important do. things. You definitely, yeah, definitely yeah, exactly, do. Exactly, exactly. You know, if you want to go and, you know, um, uh, you know, don't want to say anything rude, but... Um, Enjoy yourself greatly to watching some uh, Jean-Luc Godard stuff and <laughs> go mad telling everyone how that's the pinnacle of cinema. I'd rather watch Daniel Stern get electrocuted a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it's it. Just, it's just so <laughs> um, funny. And then suddenly we're in the uh, we're in the um, the park uh, yes. and uh, it's all happening. There's fireworks going everywhere and. Um, uh, Steve Bruce, Daniel Stern's Piers eating Morgan pigeons, has... apparently. Yeah, because <laughs> the pigeon lady saves Kevin, doesn't he? So Kevin runs to the park. Yeah. That's his escape to like catch them. Uh, yeah. But then he slips on ice, and then the the bandits get him, and they're like, "Right, we've finally got you. We can definitely kill you now." And then uh, he goes to shoot him. He goes to yeah, shoot him. He does. Doesn't he? He no, actually they're going to kill him. Like, what are they going to do? You can't bury a bury a body in Central Park. What are you going to do? Are they just going to wander through New York carrying a ten-year-old dead kid? What are they going to yeah. do? And then, and then Oscar winner Brenda Fricker saves him uh, by chucking bird seed all over them. And then, yeah, then the cops come and everything's grand. And yeah. uh, oh, the Daniel Stern screaming during this this oh, moment when they get attacked God. by the pigeons is too good again. Oh, it's brilliant. Maybe that was the bit where one flew in his mouth. <laughs> He wouldn't have been able to scream that loud if one was in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, I love it all. Then um, the whole family's there. Um... Yeah. Arseholes are back together for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kate McAllister um, punches uh, uh, Tim Curry. Again, more brilliant physical comedy from Tim yeah, Curry no, with a wobbly lip when he yeah. gets it. Do bundle up. It's awfully, awfully cold outside. <laughs> He's... His bottom lip. His bottom lip. Oh, uh, his bottom. <laughs> <laughs> has to look away for. Crying. What sort of idiots do you have working here? <laughs> the finest in New York. <laughs> but um, then, uh, and then, obviously, uh, as rich people do, get the breaks. Uh, Mr. Duncan. Well, they get a free suite at the Plaza, don't they? Because of the, they let Kevin run off. And then yeah. Mr. Duncan gives them a, a whole bunch of free Christmas presents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and then they don't really seem, you know, there's scant gratitude for it. Um, Devin Ratray, sorry, Buzz, makes um, like a, a speech, doesn't he? He's like, hey, if Kevin hadn't have done all this, we wouldn't be sitting in this nice suite having loads of free stuff. <laughs> oh, the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> when, when Buzz, when Buzz tries to whistle everyone over and he's like, hey, oh, yes. <laughs> he also says that, you know, when he's done the speech, he says, Enough of this gooey sh- sh- show of emotion. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's I think he's ace. I have ace. to mention, like, that one of my favourite lines in cinema, especially cut from a comedy perspective, is in the first one, where someone's asking him to explain something, and he goes like, "I'll give you three reasons: a, he's not that smart; <laughs> yes. two, <laughs> so I'm not that lucky. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's so good, isn't it? Um, and then thus good. endeth another, you know, terrible. Uh, you know, miracle that these things happen, uh, that they all got back together. Um, yep. I'd like to know, um, before we do favourite bit, I'm going to ask you both. You've got to pick one of the things that happened to Harry and Marv, and it's got to happen to you. Oh, what? Yeah, <laughs> so you've got to, like, as a penalty, you've got to pick something. 
right. which one of all the terrible things that happens to you, that happens to Harry and Marv, would you settle for? And you've got to there's take not, one. There's not many that wouldn't actually kill me, though. I know, that's the problem. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to say brick from the head from <laughs> yeah. 50 feet or whatever. I mean, the only one that I could think that wouldn't be too bad would be when uh, Joe Pesci first tries to get in the building and he jumps for the ladder and it's got yeah, the slime yeah. on the bottom. I mean, it'd not, it, for sure it'd knock the wind out of you and maybe crack a few ribs, but you'd, you'd survive that. <laughs> you might break your neck. And this is the, this is the easy way out. <laughs> so yeah, probably that one. I think that one is most likely the one that I'm going to be able to survive. <laughs> Sai, <laughs> any ideas? Um, out of all the options, oh god, I really don't know. I would say, I would say, falling off the burning rope, but then they also get varnish in their face after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's horrible. No, it's bad. They get, it's they bad. get, they go for a bad time, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they really do. I mean, I'm, I was thinking of what happens to Marv. Like from the minute that they arrive at that house. Say that each brick is a death, right? So he's do- died four times there. Well, he then he drops 12 feet on <laughs> onto a cellar floor. He's probably dead then. Uh, <laughs> then he slides into all that paint. I think he might survive the paint thing. I think yeah, he might survive. It would be awful, but you'd survive it. <laughs> Electrocution, write that one off. <laughs> You're dead there. Then he pulls the rope and a bag of cement <laughs> falls on him. <laughs> Well, you're dead there. You're dead. Um, I can't think like the paint can to the head. And then they fall. They fall off the stairs down. By the time he gets the roof, he's died 10 or 11 times. (laughs) So I can't go near uh, Marv. I can't can't go near him. It's it's all done with fruity sound effects. So he's all right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, so I'm going to go with uh, when um, Harry gets into the... um, pulls open the door and all the wrenches fall on his head because I think I think that would be bad and horrible but I think you know you'd get away with a, a bad concussion but nothing oh, more I think God. I think you'd be all right you'd probably get like pain on your shoulders with it <laughs> I mean, it's like a rain of tools on your head so that's where I'm going with that one um so favorite bit <sighs> Daniel Stern getting electrocuted. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's the funniest so thing. So hard to look past. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And like, <laughs> I don't like to do hyperbole, but it's just, it's so funny. And then the skeleton that they put in, that they cut in as well. Like, <laughs> it's the really screaming. Funny. But I just like, when, when Kevin's up in the voltage and he just doesn't care, he's just like... Tick, 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 mm. tick. Make no mistake, right? Yeah, in a kids' film, you probably shouldn't have an adult about to shoot a ten-year-old in the face, no. right? No, but bad, given yeah. everything that has happened to these guys, <laughs> I think the motivation is there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying oh. I understand it. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And that's what great art does. It makes you know it challenges, doesn't it, Jay? Calling out one too great art. Yeah, you have. <laughs> Um, so, what do you think? Your favourite bit? Uh, there's just so many. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go with one. What we haven't mentioned is when uh, it's such a random bit. But when the Sticky Bandits are in Duncan's toy chest and they're discussing their plan to rob the place, and for some reason they're discussing their plan in the store, uh, <laughs> in separate dollhouses, yeah. and their heads are sticking out the window. 
But look, <laughs> the reason why I love that bit is every time someone walks past us, they freeze. <laughs> like it'll make any difference. <laughs> it's like they're part of the dollhouse that there's this is the head of a random random guy. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so satisfying to see this. I mean, if you like if you're a kid watching this, you don't know about Joe Pesci, but as an adult watching it, and oh, Joe yeah. Pesci's portrayed some of the most violent gangsters ever committed to film, and Prince <laughs> just be get, getting fully involved with all this, all these childish shenanigans. It's just so satisfying it's to great, see. Isn't it? It's, it's great, so, so good, really great. Um, I'm afraid for my best bit, I can't go any further than. It's any time Tim Curry goes in his uh, Kevin's <laughs> hotel room, like the first time when he runs away and he, he hits his knee on an occasional table. <laughs> that is, oh, it's such an awful, because we've all done it. We've all done it. Oh, it's awful. But you're not going to find, for me, the comedy of um, t- everything Tim Curry does during that whole, I love you. <laughs> and he's looking along like, okay, come on. And he puts a little smile on. <laughs> Best little smile. Uh, now, again, another movie, uh, another Tim Curry masterclass. <coughs> Can't wait for him to be on the pod also, again. Also, another one, quick one, is when Daniel Stern has the shoe on the other foot and he's the one chucking the bricks and he goes, <laughs> suck brick, kid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, nearly gets him. Can you imagine, like, if, the, if you know, the film, like, uh, you know, Kevin gets hit in the head. And it's, it's, and it's dies. Just, and like, that's it. Dies, dies immediately, like, <laughs> What are they going to do? Like, yes, yes. You know, got him, you know. Suck a brick, kid. <laughs> uh, and Harry just turns to Marv and go, Marv, he's he, he's dead. And then the credits <laughs> just roll <laughs> with that John Williams music. <laughs> oh, you know, looking down, panning away, you know, like from Kevin's body at the <laughs> Blood's like spilling out of his head. Just... <laughs> yeah. You know, I think a lot of people might feel that's justice. I, I reckon the neckbeards would actually think that's a, a fairer ending. Actually. <laughs> you know, it's, it's an allegory for, you know, always doing the right thing. <laughs> always doing the right thing. Uh, right, so, for your reconsideration, Sai, you go last, uh, as it was your movie. Uh, James, what do you think? Yeah, so, I mean, the, there's some off-colour stuff in there. We didn't even mention the fact that um, Kevin gets propositioned by some prostitutes at one point. <laughs> oh, I need to be sick. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very much oh. of its time and it is pretty much exactly the same as the original. So if you've seen the first one, you have seen this one. However, I believe that this film has the better third act, as we've sort of touched upon. The traps at the end have gone up a level and it really ramps it up. And for me, the slapstick violence and pratfalls in uh, in this one are far superior to its predecessor. Mm. Pesci and Daniel Stern are a hoot as the bumbling sticky bandits and Tim Curry is always nice to see. The McAllisters <laughs> remain the worst family in the world and are arguably <laughs> the most dislikable protagonists ever to grace a Christmas film. <laughs> but nonetheless, this remains a light-hearted, festive treat. It is way too long, though. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It is too long. For your reconsideration, yeah, um, definitely agree. It is too long, um, but that changes none of my enjoyment of it whatsoever. Of course, 
get this watched and enjoy it. it deeply disturbing violence wrapped up as a kiddie friendly movie um, and if you want any perspective on this do a sit down marathon of the entire Home Alone franchise because I promise you you will be begging for two you will be begging for it by the time you get to the end so yeah absolutely this is just oh, it's nostalgia um, intravenously this one superb amazing for me, I I touched upon it earlier going through the letterboxed reviews. Like modern day sensibilities have really taken an issue with what's going on in this film. Uh, there are quite a lot of concerns about the portrayal of poor people, like Harry and Marv and uh, the Pigeon Lady, and how Kevin McAllister is an absolute psychopath. Uh, Which he with, is, to be fair. No, he, no, he is. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't. I can't Dead-eyed argue with. Maniac. I can't argue with that specific sentiment. Um, I, I, I honestly just think like sometimes people just need to lighten up a bit when they're watching a film that's like twenty-seven years old, and yeah. what is essentially a slapstick movie. It's not a you know, it's not a social commentary or anything yeah, like that. It's not been directed just, by Ken Loach, has it? Yeah, like... it, it, it's a <laughs> No. Even though it's a mighty two hours with a, like a really saggy second act, which does get a bit baggy in the middle. I've I've watched this film countless times growing up. And even though people are worried about it, I've never had the urge to chuck a brick at someone's head. <laughs> <laughs> so they were all right. It is a carbon copy of the original, like, make no doubt about it. And of course, it's a shameless cash-in, but I really do not care about that, and I don't know why any other people do care about it either. I don't know why people get so, like, hemped up about that sort of stuff. There's so many amazing moments in this film which justify its existence, and the inclusion of Tim Curry is just a genius move. Like, that's, like, worth the watch alone. The violence is sadistic at times, of course it is, but to a child, as when I watched it, however old I was, uh, it's just slapstick comedy at its finest. I, re- I love this movie, and I, I won't ever apologise for that, despite what it looks like through a modern eye. So sorry for all you 2019 letterbox reviewers. Um, <laughs> the McAllisters are terrible parents, though. So <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Absolutely superb. Yeah, how do all these... You know, we don't know what Harry and Marv's financial situation is. We've got no idea. They might have been... This, that last job at the McAllister's house might have been their first dud in 30 successful high-profile <laughs> books. They might have a Scrooge McDuck underground, like, bank vault. We don't know. They might... Give up, grow up, enjoy it. It's home alone. It's a kid injuring burglars. Enjoy it. Yeah. Take a load off. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, boys, I absolutely love that. That was yeah, super. Yeah, that was great. Um, you boys, you have yourselves a wonderful Christmas. Oh, you too. And listeners you, out friend. there. Oh, thank you. Thank you, boys. Um, listeners out there, it's been a mega year. Love you all. Thanks for everything. Have a great Christmas. So uh, thank you all for tuning in, getting in touch. Please continue to do so at reconsiderpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're over on Twitter at FYFilmPod. And uh, please send us five stars on your podcast subscriber thing of choice. And watch out for big For Your Reconsideration moves in 2020. Uh, Happy noughties, everyone. And like all good dads say, see you next decade. Way, 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 way. Are you quiet now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. All finished. Yeah. Rob's about to get a brick in the face from one of his kids. (laughs) Yeah, one of my kids is taking notes. All I know is Santa is cancelled.
<laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You filthy animals. <laughs>